Hello and welcome back to the podcast. If you're following your feed, you can see that we have cars on the mind. Some of the stuff I've been posting is just day-to-day encounters with cars that you see out in Santa Monica. You get a lot of Porsches, a lot of Ferraris, but on occasion you get some low-key classic cars. Today I saw a classic MG, but unfortunately I wasn't able to get a shot of it. You know, maybe next time. It was really, it was a green, and it was um, had a really interesting grill in the front. And the guy driving it was an older gentleman. He sort of knew, or seemed to know what he had because he was, he was really fly looking down at other people were just sort of like eh. i did manage to get a, a snapshot of that classic romeo um if i had a guess i'd say it's a guilietta um i don't know if that's how you pronounce it but um my in-law has one of those and it's actually a really nice car his is uh his is also blue actually now that i think about it we haven't really gone out on a on a, on a ride with that one because i think there's like some some stuff missing or some stuff fucked up with the transmission um, we have gone out in the Lotus 36R, um, also known as the Alanis 2 with the, uh, with the racing trim. So that's cool. That's the car. That's the red car that I posted on the feed. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a treat for me. Actually, it's actually really interesting how lucky I've been to have access to as many classic cars as I've had on my side of the family. Uh, just aside from like the cars that I've, that I posted and like some that I didn't post, I, um, I got into a Ferrari, I think it was a 326 GT. That was really fun from the eighties and a 360 Modena. Oh my God, is that car fast? It's stupid fast. The zero to 60 is fast, but the 60 to 120 is donk Shit just starts blurring. Yeah, yeah. So um, on my on my side of the family, my uncle had a Toyota. I think it was either a Crown or a Corona. I can't remember, but it was a beautiful car. Um, like I didn't get it at the time because I was 14. I was just like, oh, this is a nice old car. It's got a leather interior. Like it's kind of fun. It's kind of loud. Um, but people always were like, wow, or really impressed when we went out with it. Uh, but I never understood until I got older, and I was like, "Fuck!" I am so sad to see that car go. Like it, it basically broke down. It was too expensive to repair, so my uncle had to sell it. Um, he also had a really beautiful 240Z, like from 1970, and that car got totaled when like some lady who wasn't paying attention just slammed into the back of the car as they were going over the bridge. I think they were in Long Beach or something. It was really, really sad. I was sad to see that car go because that car was really, really fun. So you know. It's, some of those cars that I've seen were just by my own luck and grace. I've been sort of building my own luck because uh, it happens that even though I'm a software engineer, I ended up running into a lot of like souped up cars. So like one of the things that I that I liked was that I when I was working at Toyota for the Toyota Ever Better Expedition, uh, TRD had like a Camry exhibition where they had like souped up and like painted, modded the engines and painted the Camrys. Um, and those are the ones that I post in the feed and. It just so happened that I was working on something that was totally unrelated. It was the Toyota Ever Better Expedition, which, you know, from a developer side, it wasn't really, like, crazy. It was, um, I mean, you can check the site. It's still live right now. It should be on till December. It's www.toyotaeverbetter.com. It's a temporary site that basically follows, like, um, the Toyota lineup going through um, North America in hopes of getting, like, lessons learned or something. Actually, you know what? Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the tech stack. This tech stack for that was um, mildly interesting because it, because it was a, t- a temporary site that was also it's also highly trafficked. Um, we had to actually get something that would scale, right? So when I got hired on, I was hired on to do like some architecture and development. And so you know, I did a, a sample architecture AWS stuff where we're going to do one node balancer, three nodes to serve up the, and we're going to serve up the assets from CloudFront, right? And then set up like a Git repo that we were going to just sync a Drupal implementation across the nodes, right? Which I mean, it sounds like a lot, but I mean, honestly, the whole setup would have taken us like at most a week. 
in the end, we did decide it was overkill, and instead we ended up coming across a Drupal CMS like AWS solution that was already prepackaged, right? So that's on a site called Acquia, like A-C-Q-U-I-A, and um, the price point's kind of meh. It's a little expensive, but on the dev side, it was so easy it was so easy i think like three clicks and like it was all set up and then a call like to their tech department like and we had a like it's a scalable solution like they did all of that for us and i think it ended up being like basically the solution that i had talked about but it was ready like instantaneously and i imagine because they've like written all the scripts and stuff right it was bonkers how easy it was i don't think i would set that up as a permanent solution just because the price point is so high but if you ever run into a client that is like trying to develop a content driven website like a blog or something but it's kind of corporate and it's actually high traffic this is the perfect solution to just make them shut the fuck up and like make it really easy on you for develop like i like to do custom development but like i couldn't turn this down because it's so easy and the timeline was so tight that i was just like okay let's do it let's bang it out but as a byproduct of working on the site i actually like re-fell in love with my camry sc which, you know, on most days is a good car, but on a bad day is a super boring car. I mean, despite the fact that it has paddle shifters. Um, actually, I think the single most annoying thing about the Camry is that even though it has paddle shift, well, A, the single most annoying thing is that they don't make it in stick shift anymore. And as a result, you get like a pseudo automatic car that like shifts on its own, even when you're using the paddle shifters. Like, let's say you're driving kind of like aggressively, right? Um, and you're shifting not aggressively. It'll decide that what you've told it to do is not the thing that you wanted it to do and that it'll actually shift when it hits the the point that it want you know that it that it thinks it should shift at if i wanted to be babied i would have bought a luxury car i don't like i don't think of the camry as a luxury car i think of it as a smart purchase right like it's it's never dumb to buy a safe reliable car that's going to last forever and that you know has a track record of lasting forever right but like even the subaru had the common sense to make a wrx like four-door sedan that's speedy as fuck when you want it right and like that's that's great like that's what you should do because it's like a family car when you need it and then like a performance car when you want it right like it's the best dad car you can get it's probably a wrx like sti sedan except you know if i had so if i had to do it again i'd probably buy that car except i did do it again and i ended up leasing a tech package like acura tlx for my girlfriend and actually um i've never looked back that was a great that was fucking awesome. That was a great thing to do. So originally when I started driving, I had bought like, so everybody's got their first car story. So my first car was an $800 piece of shit, like shit brown 1993 Civic. And like I drove it for a year. And of course, you know, I'm running around in a little rice rocket. So I blew out the engine and then I, and at the time I was like, well, you know, I got a couple grand. I could buy another car and end up breaking that. Or I can just drop in an engine with my buddy who's a mechanic and like know that it works. So we ended up dropping a 2.2 liter, like preload DOHC engine from like 1995. Like the thing barely fit in there. I think we had to replace the engine mounts and boy, did that car fly. So to go from that to a Camry, like, yeah, the car's like a million times nicer because when I bought it, I bought it in 2013. So it was a 2013 Camry SE, but it's not fun and it's not raw. Like there's, there was a raw feeling to the, to the Civic that I just, that I never got from the Camry. Like I just didn't, it never gave me that acceleration. Like, yeah, even with the paddle shifters. The TLX, though, you drop that motherfucker in sports mode and that bitch comes to life. Like, so it's luxury when you want it. You put it in eco, you're just having a good time, you know, whatever. 
and you drop it into sports and that motherfucker like flies and the paddle shifters ain't fucking around. Like when, when I shift that shit shifts, it doesn't give a fuck if I'm right or not. It just says, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And they ain't made of plastic. So that was, that was another thing that kind of felt cheap about the Camry is that the paddle shifters are there, but they made it plastic. Oh no. The TLX has the, um, aluminum ones. So that was, so it was really, it's really, really good. I guess it's just part of like aging. You like you buy your first car. Like I was lucky enough to buy it at a dealership from a family friend. So I got a good deal on the car. But, um, when I went to buy the Camry, the, no, the Camry, the TLX, it actually ended up being a lot harder to try to get like the baseline that I'd gotten with the Camry, um, which was really, really annoying. But you know, that's part of figure, you know, that's part of aging. You figure out what's good and what's not good. Right. But if I had to do it now, I kind of like the setup that I have now where we have one luxury car, a beater car, the Camry that we take anywhere but we're missing that like weekend car. So if I had to get a weekend car, I'd probably get like a 1972 911, um, either like a T coupe or a, a Targa or an S coupe or coupe if you're feeling particularly uh, European. I mean, those cars they look beautiful, and I mean they're 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 meant for driving. They're driving machines. I've driven one, and it was probably the most fun I've ever had. In addition to some of the other cars that I drove. Um, and honestly, they're just, they're an honest car. If you fuck up, you're going to feel it. And they're super tail happy. So you got to be careful, right? But that kind of brings me again to the point of luck. So as a developer, I lucked out twice. So the first one was with the Toyota stuff. And I ended up seeing a lot of like Toyotas coming by. And actually they had like an homage to like the past of Toyota. And um, they had a really old, I think it was like 70s Camry that like, or yeah, like 70s Camry or 80s Camry, I think it was 80s, an 80s Camry that, like, my grandfather has still, and, like, I could have sworn it was his car, because my grandpa takes really good care of his cars, but it was a new one that, like, I don't think, I don't think they ever took it off the lot, and it has, like, the maroon interior, it was just really weird to see, it was kind of eerie, but, so that was the first time I got exposed to this car, so the second time, I actually ended up doing some work for Porsche, right, because we ended up picking a software development contract to fix an XML-driven piece of shit, Shit. like this thing was ignoring the ios framework it was a fucking disaster it was like an ipad app that had like two cars that they were demoing like the macan and the cayenne and we ended up having to like fix rework and extend like the actual app to support more cars so the app's actually on the app store now it's the porsche vehicle delivery app so there's a consumer version that you guys can look at um so if you want to check that out um that's all that's all me and like that's mostly me and then like two guys from our our team that had to help us out and a contractor that we, uh, I mean, I'll tell you a story. It was a brutal project because, um, the, the previous developer, the previous developer had basically created an XML driven like system that was using an object factory that not only basically obfuscated like how stuff worked, but ignored the basic tenets of the iOS way of doing things. So he was fighting the, the framework doing like this XML, like outdated, like way of building something and everything from the main page, which should have been like a UI collection view with like all those gestures, um, tied to it to like the alerts was just a wreck the whole thing was a train wreck it's one of the few times um, I've actually considered walking away from a project and being like you know what fuck it it's not worth it but in the end I saw it through because the the other two developers are friends of mine and the CEO who is also who I helped basically build the company that I'm working at right now is a friend it's like a dear friend of mine so I couldn't walk away from that you know it's too much at stake right we actually ended up burning out like myself and the other two developers and we needed we needed to take a vacation of that um after that but i mean 
that project would have been fucksville if we hadn't put it together. Like Porsche's got what I like to call fuck you money. They could have sued us if we had been in breach of contract. But I mean, in the end, everybody realized that it was a bad situation and that we basically bailed out the previous team. So this is the people side of software development. So like, so the, so I'm going to give you a little bit more of the details because it's kind of a crazy story. So what ended up happening was that the this content creation company, which I won't name because I don't know if they, they'd be cool with that, um, owned the original contract for developing this app, right? And they had hired some guy um, to build them the original app, and he did. And uh, then he hired they hired our company to you know add some cars, add some features. That's how they uh, they, they they mentioned it. Um, we didn't realize it at the time because like we did a code review to look at the code, and I was like, ah, oh, that doesn't look like the best, but you're probably probably not that bad. But it's not until you try and edit and change things that you realize like how fucked the project is, right? So what ended up happening is that the previous developer had basically coded himself into a box with uh, with a system and basically ignored the iOS way of doing things. And it, it, he was essentially trying to distort, uh, extort, sorry, extort the previous team by charging like ludicrous amounts of money for the changes, right? I mean, if we knew how hard it was going to be, like we probably would have like asked for the same amount. So I don't think it's that the developer was a bad person. It's just that he like very clearly lacked the people skills to deal with the situation that basically has been four years in the making, which is like the amount of time, the technical debt that he acquired in the, in those four years, um, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be able to fly his way out of it. And he didn't have a tactful way of working around that. So when we took on the contract, we said, Oh, this is going to be fucking hard when we started doing the changes. So we hired an iOS contract to help an iOS contractor to help us out who actually ended up going crazy because the project was so ridiculous that he became convinced that we were trying to burn him. Like we, he was convinced that we were out to just like bury him with this project because it was so bad. Um, the sad part is that this person was actually a friend and an old mentor of mine from when I first started my software development career. And, by the end, like, so at the beginning, you know, it's just like, I'm reaching out to him for help. He comes, he, get, he starts working and then like little by little, he's like, oh shit, this is Fucksville. So by the end of it, everybody was lawyered up. It had gotten ridiculous. When he left, I basically had to fly us out of the scenario because the recommendation for the hired had come from me. So I felt personally responsible. So not only had I lost my like friend and mentor in the process, I almost lost my goddamn mind because the project was so bad. I had to endure a lot of shit um from how bad how just poorly developed and like how entangled like it felt like i was dealing with like a spaghetti code system like something from the fucking 80s it was it was nasty so we ended up getting two guys from um, our own staff to help me out mostly with content changes and little things here and there but when the demo came along uh the project exploded spectacularly so there was like i think two days before so i got a call at midnight and i was asked to fix it like that you it's like we're fucksville and we need you to fix it. We're going to get like, we're going to crash and burn magnificently. So that they woke me up at 12 in the morning. Mind you, I think I'd just come back from a trip. Um, so I was exhausted. I ended up working from 12 to eight in the morning, slept a couple hours and went to work and then did it again. <sighs> by the end, by the end of the thing, by the end of the whole fucking thing, like a couple things happened. One, Porsche had a beautiful app that they could publish to the store, which reminds me, fuck certificates. There needs to be a way to call up Apple and be like, the dev for this project is bailed. He signed the original cert and has the secret key and said basically, fuck you guys and left. And so now we're fucked with the certs, right? So like there needs to be a way to re-sign. Like maybe they should do like a CRS like flow, uh, the code signing certificate flow so that you can like re-sign the cert or something because that, that was a fucking disaster that 
we ended up having to fix everything from the provisioning profiles to like who like to re-signing the goddamn thing to figure out who's going to sign the fucking cert for this app because the other apps were using the live cert so we can we can just revoke it and reuse it because uh, we don't have we didn't have access to the original code for that uh, for those apps so so that was fucksville but at least they had a, a beautiful app on the app store and it's still live there Two, I knew way too much about the packages offered for the 911, the 911 convertible, the Panamera, the Macan, the Cayenne, and the Cayman. Fuck the Chrono package. I don't ever want to hear those words again. <laughs> and um, three, honestly, by the end of it, I had lost like my love for Porsche. And I thought it was going to be permanent, but it was like a good six months before um, it came back. And it was during that period that I became hyper aware of how many porsches there are on the west side in la it's ridiculous because they're expensive cars they're expensive cars and at the end of the day they're not like i mean they become synonymous with luxury cars but really they're driving machines like if a suv can go from zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds that's a driving machine also you probably shouldn't be fucking selling that like just to anybody any asshole with a with a c-class license right but, you know, at the end of it, I came out a stronger, more patient developer than you had to deal with basically insanity and how to bail out not only his company, but his team. Well, not only his team, but his company and still deliver a nice product within like, you know, a reasonable deadline. But man, do I have a massive battle scar from that. I don't ever want to be in that situation again. So obviously we took a lot more precautionary measures with like when we contract, like the contracts are a lot more solid than they were before. But goddamn, that was painful. Also, just as a FYI, when you see a 3D rotation in apps, a lot of the times they're just 3D, 3D it's really simple, they're just 3D stitched panorama views with like uh, a pitch, yaw, and roll for the XYC axis on the camera as well as a rotation. As well as a rotation. So I was actually surprised at how simple that was because um, I used to think they were like really like crazy app or something with like shaders. It's not that tricky. But that kind of leads down to the path, uh, the path I wanted to talk about, which is we've been talking about dev that has led to experience around cars, right? Like Toyota and their presentations, Porsche and their iOS app. But I want to do actual programming for cars, like idealistically like embedded system stuff because a lot of those programs have are like real-time problems that they have to deal with, right? The input that's coming in and all that stuff. So I imagine that the computer that handles the basics of the car system, like everything from timing to like whatever, is probably like has to be a lightweight like failure resistant like i mean absolutely failure resistant like kernel right so it's probably like a little lightweight exo kernel and has to that has to do that kind of stuff but when i looked into it like what it would take to do that kind of software development it turns out that you kind of like need a phd in robotics and you kind of need to be like at the university of michigan because they have like a ford contract or it's either MU or U of M. I fucking I get I get them confused, but one of them has like a top-notch robotics program. But I mean, I'd even like so since that's like a barrier to entry is impossible or not impossible, but it would take me like six years to get there. I, I I'd even settle for like Apple CarPlay at that point, right? Like whatever happened to that? I remember seeing the announcement for that and being like super stoked because I was like, "Fuck yes, my center console for this Camry fucking sucks." Um, but then they ended up selling them like super cheap on Amazon and they like sort of went away and so it died down. And like, so I went and looked at the developer thing and it says coming soon. So I don't know what the deal with that is. Uh, maybe it just wasn't ready for prime time and Apple had like a faux pas and they kept it under wrap, but you know, who knows? But I mean, I'd even settle for doing that or like maybe some like map stuff, like making actual ways work. Cause that shit doesn't work anymore. I mean, I tried to go from Santa, Mon Santa Monica to San Pedro today and that shit took two hours and kept driving me into heavy traffic zones. If I had known it was going to take two hours, I would have just taken the fucking PCH down. Cause at least like 
that one, while there is some traffic to it, it flows and like the view is nice enough that you don't really think about the time. You just put put some tune on, tunes on, like open the sunroof and just have a good time. You know, anyway, I'm rambling. So I think that's it for today. You know, be sure uh, it'll be it'll be a short one or not so short one. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter at shoot the bit. Um, we saw some new followers. Thank you for following. Um, retweet, share this with your friends, and we hope you enjoy the podcast and stick around. Actually, you know what? Just as a, a man, not a manifesto, but we don't, you know, we don't really usually talk about why we created the podcast. Um, the podcast was actually created as a answer to tech podcasts where a the host had like a really nasally like nerdy like shitty voice um but b there there was like this air of hubris where everybody was just stuck in a giant like pissing contest like dick waving like who's got the biggest dick uh who's got the biggest developer dick um where everybody was so focused on showing off how smart they were that they had not realized the whole point of like a podcast is entertainment, right? So even if you're going to be talking about software development or engineering or like web application development, whatever the fuck you're going to be talking about, if you spend like an hour just waving your dick around and being like, I'm so smart because look at all this shit that I know, that's not entertaining. So as a result, we said, um, me, Greg, and Chris were like, you know what? Fuck that jazz. We think we could do it better. So we started doing it better. Unfortunately, as developers, we don't really know how to work the social media to like get the word out so we're sort of just trying to put stuff out make it consistent make it enjoyable talk about some like the crazy shit that we do and like that kind of stuff while keeping it um high level enough that anybody that doesn't really understand like tech can like sort of follow what's going on and enjoy the the parts around it and maybe like some of the some not this one but like some of the funnier stuff that goes on when we're doing the podcast anyway Y'all have a good, um, so this one, this one's probably going out tomorrow on Friday. So y'all have a good weekend. Uh, and thank you for listening. Also, sorry about the ums and likes and uhs. That's my California showing, but God damn it. If Dan Harmon, who does the voice of Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty, who sounds all burpy and throw up, he can have a podcast. Then so can we.